0: Sources, inside sources, inside sources, where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM, control of Congress which party takes the upper hand in Congress? Special coverage on Inside Sources March to the Midterms. As we do March to the midterms, we've got 20 days to go. I know many of you are saying, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Uh, we're not quite there yet. 20 days to go. Uh, house races across the country are shaping up. Uh, where do they lean? What's happening? We always want to dig into that. And really pleased to have uh, joining us on the program, Stephen Shepard, who predicts elections. He's uh, politico senior campaign and election editor, chief polling analyst, and uh, not only looks at the numbers but underneath and behind the numbers. Uh, Stephen, thanks for joining us today.
1: Thanks so
0: much for having me. Uh, so let's, let's dig in here. Uh, I know uh, early spring, uh, Republicans had lots of momentum. They felt like they uh, were marching towards a, a really big midterms. Uh, the Democrats had a, a great summer, uh, and now uh, we are into the fall. Some are saying the Democrats may have peaked a little too early, uh, but we've got 20 days to go. Uh, so what are some of the things that you're watching? Let's start with the, with the House. How do you see that playing? What are some of the trends you're watching there?
1: Well, despite... Uh, some of the roller coaster that you described from from spring and summer and now into fall, uh, we've always classified the battle to control the house as likely Republican. Uh, Republicans only need, based on uh, the the number varies precisely based on some uh, vacancies currently, but roughly five flipping five seats uh, to win back control of the house. Historically speaking, uh, for the first midterm of a new president and. His political party, especially when that party also controls Congress, uh, the swing to the out party, the party out of power, is much larger than that historically. Uh, So Republicans have always had kind of the upper hand when it comes to control of the House, at least uh, those 435 districts, all of which will be decided on November 8th.
0: Yeah. And as you uh, as you look at those, are there any particular that you're looking at that uh, may be the early indicators as to whether it is a a bigger wave for the Republicans? Uh, The American people seem to keep coming back to we like divided government, uh, as you said, historically. Uh, But are there some that you're looking at that might say, well, it's a big it's a big night for the Republicans or is it uh, just uh, a tight race uh, for the Republicans?
1: You know, there are a handful of seats that either because of redistricting or retirements by the current incumbents uh, that are open. And those are typically great tests because you don't have, you know, incumbents statistically are just extremely likely to get reelected to Congress. Uh, they retain advantages in terms of fundraising and name identification. Uh, that That is why, you know, roughly nine in 10 congressional incumbents come back every two years. Uh, but there are a number of open seats around the country that I think are great tests of both parties' messaging. Demo- mm. uh, Republicans talking a lot about inflation, the economy, uh, crime, a little bit of immigration, Democrats, uh, abortion, health care, uh, issues where uh, the Democratic Party traditionally and, and, and currently has the upper hand a little bit. Uh, they range from places like Western Pennsylvania, uh, there's one just north of Denver. Uh, Colorado's newly drawn congressional seat. There's one in Northwest Illinois. All of these districts, by the way, and if you calculate the margin of the presidential election under their new district lines, are places that President Biden won by between five and 10 percentage points. So a little bit more Democratic than the nation as a whole, Joe Biden won, uh, beat Donald Trump across the country by four percentage points. So so places that are slightly more Democratic, if Republicans are winning a lot of those in, into territory more that's bluer than the country as a whole, then I think it's it's a good sign that that it's going to be not just a uh, Republican majority in the House, but a pretty sizable Republican majority. Uh, If Democrats are holding some or all of these seats, uh, then I think it's a sign that the two parties are going to be closely divided, even if Republicans do flip the House, that uh, incoming uh, majority leader, potentially Speaker Kevin McCarthy's uh, um, majority, and margin might not be that big. So, so those are the kind of the races I'm going to be watching. You mentioned early indicators. We used to look at races on the eastern time zone, and I'm sure you all did out uh, in Utah. <laughs> yeah. Look at races on the eastern time zone as our early tells of what kind of night it was going to be as the clocks moved uh, toward later in the night in the east and, and, and polls closed in the western United States. With the way uh, people vote and the way those results are tallied now, I'm not sure it works that way anymore. (laughs) Uh, You know, that that district I mentioned in western Pennsylvania, based on the fact it took five days to declare Joe Biden the winner in Pennsylvania in 2020, it may be a similar length of time Mm. before we know who won a a district in the Eastern time zone. So I'm not sure that rule applies anymore, but those are just a few of the districts that I'm looking at uh, as tells of what kind of night it's going to be.
0: Yeah. And so let's shift over to the, uh, to the Senate now, and obviously a 50 50 Senate uh, decided uh, by the vice president sitting in the chair. And uh, we know there's a a number of toss up. Many of them are uh, out here in the West, Arizona, Nevada, in particular, Uh, what are you watching? What are you expecting to see in those
1: races? Well, we currently describe the battle to control the Senate as a toss-up. I I don't think either party has a significant advantage right now. Uh, You know, 50-50 or 51-49, either way, seems like uh, a quite plausible outcome at this point. Uh, You mentioned Nevada, Georgia, uh, Pennsylvania are sort of the three closest states right now in Wisconsin currently call that a top-up, but Sen- Re- Republican Senator Ron Johnson has been leading in the most recent polls there. In Arizona, uh, Democratic Senator Mark Kelly has been leading in the most recent polls there. So just a, a, a tight battle that I think is going to come down to the three states, Nevada, Georgia, Pennsylvania – Uh, The party that wins two of those three is the party that or 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 all three, obviously, is the party that I think is going to control the Senate. And so that's why those races have gotten so much attention, particularly in Georgia and Pennsylvania.
0: Yeah. And as uh, you look kind of under the numbers in terms of what's driving some of those uh, quick take on uh, on the announcements coming out of the White House today, obviously President Biden uh, wanting to to show effort on uh, gas prices and, and oil companies and There seems to be some some shifting going there. Uh, We also know he just finished up uh, talking about infrastructure and mining for minerals uh, that uh, will help us have uh, batteries for electric cars. Uh, What are all those messages telling you? And are those uh, signs or signals in any way in terms of what the Democrats are trying to do down the stretch or what the Republicans need to do down the
1: stretch? Well, I think, you know, it doesn't uh, take – the most sophisticated reader of polling to look and see that the number one issue that Americans care most about is the economy, particularly inflation and the, and the rise in prices. And the place you see that just in your daily life, uh, most strikingly is uh, as you walk or drive by a gas station or as you fill up your, your car um, or book an airline ticket or all the, the, or go grocery shopping, all of the sort of elements of daily life uh Increase in gas prices is something that people notice. And so, you know, we saw over the summer, you mentioned Democrats' fortunes improved to some degree. That probably not coincidentally happened to coincide with uh, a drop in gas prices from some of the highs that we saw in the spring. And now uh, gas prices in most areas of the country are ticking back up in some places uh, at a greater magnitude than others. Uh, But clearly bringing down gas prices is something that uh, would probably benefit Democrats in the immediate term over the next 20 days uh, as we head into the sprint toward Election Day. And so while the president said that the decision to release some of this oil was not political, most certainly it would, uh, a decrease in gas prices would be something, would be welcome news for Democrats uh, in the run up to this election, especially as Republicans seem to have generated a little bit more momentum momentum over the last month or month and a half or so. Yeah. Uh,
0: And the final question for you, because this is such a critical one, and I love the way you go at this uh, in terms of trust. Uh, Obviously, trust uh, in institutions is down. Trust in media is down. uh, Even trust in polling is down. Uh, Just walk us through. I I love that you actually describe, as the chief forecaster for Politico, uh, how you look at on the ground, uh, how you look at obviously the maps, uh, but that you also go beyond uh, just kind of whatever the local polling is, trying to figure out, you know, are these really likely voters? Are they self-declared likely voters? Uh, and just being transparent. Walk us through that just a little bit in terms of what you're trying to do and how we should be looking at it as voters as we as we hear some of those polling numbers.
1: Well, you mentioned uh, some of the trust, uh, the decline of trust in media institutions and other, in, you know, Institutions of, of public life. Uh, those are not entirely uh, uh, different from the issues and, and, and related to the issues that we've had uh, in some of the recent polls, particularly in presidential elections in 2016 to 2020, where they badly uh, underestimated Republicans. Look, a, a big part of the takeaway from uh, the 2020 polling failure was that pollsters, there's a certain segment, particularly a segment of the Republican electorate that pollsters aren't able to reach. And this is not just true for media polls or uh, polls conducted by academic institutions, another one of those areas uh, that the public has less trust in uh, over the the last few years. It is also true for the numbers that the political parties have uh, Mm. to some degree. And you know, I, I think that when voters hear those numbers and, and when I, certainly, you know, I think we're just way more open minded that the, the polling could be wrong uh, in some of these places uh, and more open to a greater range of outcomes because of that. And that's how I encourage people uh, looking at the polls, for example, in, in uh, the Senate race that you all have out there, uh, some of which show Senator Mike Lee with a larger lead, some of which show a much closer race uh you know i'd encourage folks to, to not to look at one poll and assume that that's what's going to happen but rather to uh Take them on the whole as, uh, you know, could be a tight race, but one where the senator, the Republican senator has an advantage, but also one where their vote could be very important. And, and mm-hmm. so uh, folks should always participate in the political process and not let uh, public polling results dissuade them from doing so.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Everyone's got to be engaged and you got to show up and you got to cast your vote. Uh, otherwise, the poll doesn't really matter in the end. <laughs> if you're a self-declared uh, likely voter, you better like you better vote <laughs> uh, because uh, you're and I think a lot. Oh, go ahead.
1: The the one thing I will add add to that is that I think a lot of the likely voters, people who say they're likely to vote this year, actually are going to because every sign we have had in the polling in special elections in primary elections across the country is that this is probably going to be a record-breaking turnout election, regardless of the outcome, that everyone should agree that that's a a good thing for the the state of our democracy. But uh, one where I, I do think the problem is not, necessarily going to be that the polls are are counting too many people but perhaps that they're not counting enough Mm. that that there are folks who are going to turn out and vote because this is going to be probably the highest turnout midterm that we've ever had as opposed to say 2014 for example which was the lowest turnout midterm by by turnout rate in 100 years 2018 then right four years later was the highest turnout midterm and i think we're going to break that record in this one so uh this is a case where uh i don't think the problem is necessarily going to be having too many non-voters in pollster samples. It could be the other way around.
0: other way around. Wow, fascinating stuff. Uh, Stephen Shepard from Politico, he predicts the elections. He's a senior campaign and elections editor, chief polling analyst there at Politico. Stephen, thanks for spending some time with us. Really appreciate the perspective. Thanks for having me. All right, we'll step aside for a quick commercial break. When we come back, uh, political blame game. Whose fault and why? Stick around. We'll talk about that coming up next.